This morning's scripture comes from Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This starts off one way, and you're reading it one way. But when you turn it upside down, when you flip it on its head, it means something entirely different, something entirely new. There's new meaning and new life given to these words. Much of the Bible is filled with this kind of upside-down wisdom, things that appear to us to look one way, but it's the exact opposite. Things that don't make any sense, that bring so much truth and meaning to our lives. And certainly the passage of Scripture that we are looking at today is just one of those mysteries of God that in our culture doesn't make sense. But in the kingdom of heaven, it makes all the difference in the world. Rich Velotis puts it this way in his book, The Deeply Formed Life. He says, to be an incarnational follower of Christ, that is someone who follows Jesus in the way that Jesus lived and Jesus took on flesh in the life, there must be a relinquishing of control, a reversal of social order. According to the natural perceptions of this world, it's an upside-down kingdom, but it's a kingdom of God-saturated imagination. It's the way of the cross. It's upside down when we read this passage. It doesn't make sense. The, the way up is actually down. The way up is in humility and serving. But before we tackle some of this, there's some truths we need to unpack first. The first thing is, is that when we read a passage like this, when we understand Jesus, it is foundational to our faith and to everything that we know about Christ to first understand that he was both fully God and fully human. He was both fully God and fully human. 
And to understand what I mean by that, let's look at this a little bit further. In verses 5 through 8, it says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus is both fully God and fully human. Now we know from the scriptures that Jesus, we call him the pre-incarnate Christ, before he took on flesh, he existed before he was born in Bethlehem as a baby. The scriptures reference that in a number of occasions. Jesus himself declares in John 8, 58, he says this, Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And we talked about Abraham last week a little bit. Abraham came thousands of years before Jesus came on the scene in Bethlehem. But before Abraham came, I am. Jesus is declaring two things there, that he, was, he existed, but he's also referencing the name that God gave himself to Moses, I am. So he's declaring in that moment, I existed and I am God. Even though what you are seeing is human, I am God. That didn't actually go over well with the people he was speaking to at the time, uh, but he made that declaration. Earlier in John, uh, he re- we have another reference here. The beginning of the book of John starts this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So we find out here that all of creation, this word that they're referencing is Jesus, and all of creation was made through him. Nothing that we see, that we experience, was made without his presence. He was fully part of creation, and so there at the beginning... But here's the thing. As God, he chose to conceal his glory. As God, he chose to limit his power. He came as this tiny baby. He came as this little infant who would have been just as helpless as any other infant whose mother had to care for him. He chose to conceal and to walk away from heaven. Now, who here has seen heaven? Probably not any of us, right? It's hard for us to even imagine what that must look like, what that must be like, what it is that he had to turn from in order to accomplish his mission as a human. What did he have to give up? You know, when you read some of the the prophecies um, in the prophets, or you read Revelation, you know, oftentimes I think part of the reason that it doesn't always make sense to us is that I'm not sure we even have the language to describe the glory that we see in heaven. 
and that God experiences. And yet Jesus turned from all of these things as God, concealed his glory, humbled himself, stooped to our low, if you will, and became fully man. It's a mystery, right? It's a paradox when you think about it. So in verse 6, we, he goes back to saying, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Can you imagine having, having all of this power and all of this glory and all of this ability over all of creation and not using it to your own advantage? He chose to humble himself. And, and it's interesting the words that are used here. He was obedient unto death. But then the Apostle Paul adds in even death on a cross. Because what you have to understand with that is that the Jewish people looked at the cross, as did many other cultures, the Roman cross, and they considered it a curse. Those who hung on that tree were cursed and they were cast aside. Clearly, God or the gods did not find favor with those that were on a cross. It was a shame-filled death. Only the worst of the worst experienced that kind of death. So it was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. He was the ultimate example of what it means to serve in humility, servant leadership, we call it. And we, as followers of Christ, are called to become more and more like him. So our comparisons here on earth can't even do it justice. I tried to think of something. What would this be like? You know, the first thing I thought of, think of the president, the president of the United States, someone in that office, personally going in and caring for a sick child, a sick immigrant child who's stuck in an encampment, taking care of their needs, taking care of cleaning up their vomit, taking care of their food, maybe changing their diaper. Think of your favorite social media influencer or actor or actress removing all of the makeup removing all of the glitz and the glam and the Photoshop and all of the things and just revealing themselves for who they are authentically. Think of Elon Musk scrubbing urinals at Twitter <laughs> or Tesla or whichever other company he owns, right? The one on high coming down and doing the lowliest of the low jobs. These examples don't even begin to scratch the surface of what Jesus Christ, the God of the entire universe, did for us when he came down from on high. Verses 9 through 11 tell us that it doesn't end there, though. He didn't just come down to our level. He didn't just come and humble himself. But there's something else that happens in this. 
the humble servant becomes the exalted one. Those verses say this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now that word exalted, we don't use it a lot in our common vernacular, right? We don't use exalted very often, but what it means is this. It's, it's, it's the raising of a person, of their rank or status, in placing them at a high or powerful level, held in high regard, is what the dictionary says. Well, that brings us to our only God moments in this passage. And I say moments because there is more than one in this passage, because you can't have one without the other. Only God could have humbled himself, concealed his own glory, and come to this earth and died for us. Only God could have done that. But you know what else? Only God could raise Jesus up to the name that is above every name, that every tongue should, in the older translations, confess that he is Lord. Only God could do those things. We don't, we don't have that ability to lift anyone up into that kind of glory, into that kind of power, into that kind of place and position. Only God. So each of us who chooses to follow Jesus is called to become more and more like him. That's, that's discipleship. Whenever you've heard the term disciple or discipleship, it is the process of becoming more and more like Christ. So if you have chosen to follow Jesus, that is what you are to do. You are to become more and more like him. Now that's a huge, discipleship's kind of like a huge topic. But today we're just going to talk about a little, the small piece of this. We're talking about becoming servants, becoming servant leaders in the same way that Christ was. So here's my big idea for this morning. Adopting the same mindset as Jesus leads to a life marked by humble servant leadership like Jesus. Adopting the same mindset as the Apostle Paul says in the beginning of this passage leads to a life marked by humble servant leadership like Jesus. So what happens when we adopt the humble servant leader mindset of Jesus? What happens when we turn things upside down? Because it's not natural for us to serve others. It's not natural for us to put our own needs aside for others. What happens when we adopt that? Well, first, we're transformed. When you put the needs of others above your own, we are transformed and we grow deeper with Jesus as we lift others up, as we put others above ourselves. How many of you have heard the old adage, it is better to give than to receive? I think most people in this room have heard that before, right? That's something that has stuck around for a really long time because it has truth, right? There's something about giving 
that gives you joy, that brings a sense of joy, even more so than receiving a gift at times. Now, I know for uh, the kiddos in the room, if there are any left in here, or if you can think back to being younger, um, you might wonder if that's true, because Christmas morning can be pretty epic. Um, but there comes a point where you realize, wow, like the joy that I just gave this person is so much better than the gift I just received. Um, how many of you here have ever been on a mission trip or served in some sort of a project that gave to others with a group of people? It's okay to raise your hands. Yep, okay, all right. I hear stories of mission trips and service projects so often where the, the, most, the most common thing that I hear is, wow, I, I went to give, but boy, did I get so much more back. I went to serve, but boy, was I the blessed one. Yesterday, there was a group of us from North River who went into Boston, and we did a project called City Reach. I think we have a picture. And in this project, we were, we, we gathered, you guys have heard about this, we gathered a bunch of clothing, thank you for your donations, and we brought it into the city, and we organized everything. There were several other churches that we were working with, and we laid it out, and we had... I think the number was like 100, 150 um, people who are experiencing homelessness come through and restock. But while we were doing that, we got to meet some incredible people. We got to have conversations with some amazing people who told us their stories, who broke down some of our preconceived notions about what causes homelessness here in New England and in Boston and in elsewhere. And as we debriefed from what it is that we experienced and what it is we did yesterday in meeting amazing people like Manny and, and Jeremy, as we debriefed, there was one participant in our group who told this story of this woman who came in and, sh and she needed shoes desperately she couldn't take her own shoes off of her feet. She, she was unable to do it. And so this participant got down and on her knees and started to help take this woman's shoes off. And you know, dealing with feet is not really the most pleasant job, right? It's not the most pleasant experience. Now, Imagine being someone who's experiencing homelessness and maybe having worn the same socks and the same shoes for days, for weeks, for months on end. And this participant started to cry, started to have tears in her eyes as she told this story of, of helping this woman find shoes and what that was like and what a blessing it was to have been able to care and love someone at that level. What a blessing it was. Now, most of us don't go through our day thinking, I'm going to help do the lowliest, grossest job I can think of, and that's going to be a blessing to me. Many of us try to avoid those things. And maybe it's not something that obvious, 
Maybe it's not taking the last piece of chocolate cake because your spouse might want it. Maybe it's not pushing to the front of the line to be first. Maybe it's encouraging others when you know you yourself need some encouragement. It's this constant daily process of figuring out how can I serve others. And yes, mission trips are amazing. I'm excited to tell you we have a mission trip planned for this summer, and all the details are going to come out next week. We're going to be headed to Kentucky to do some flood relief work this summer. And mission trips are amazing, and you learn a lot, and you serve some amazing people. But what is it in your daily life that you can do to serve others, to humble yourself in the way that Christ humbled himself? As we do those things, you cannot help but be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. As you do those things, as you bring God's kingdom here on earth, you cannot help but be transformed. It will change you from the inside out. And as you do this, you become more and more like Christ, carrying out his work and his mission. And you cannot help but move into relationship with others. That's the second thing. When we humble ourselves and we put others before ourselves, we are united together with other followers of Jesus and the people that we serve. I met some incredible people yesterday who had experienced homelessness. I feel like I know them. There is a connection that we formed as we humbled ourselves at one point sitting on the ground to talk with one man. As we humble ourselves, there's a connection that forms. You can't help but start to see people the way that God sees people. You can't help but to form a connection with the people that you worked with. I'm looking around this room. There are many uh, people right now here who were with us yesterday. I don't know about them, but I feel so much more closely connected to them. I've learned something about them. We have a shared experience. As you humble yourself and put others first, you cannot help but become more and more connected with the ability to see people the way that Jesus sees people. And last, God blesses those who are servants in the kingdom, just like Jesus. In the way that he exalted Jesus, God blesses us in our work too. So we first see this pattern in verses 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. In the kingdom of God, the way up is down. And we often don't see that 
work out and play out in our lives and our culture around us. They'd want us to believe something else. But in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. Matthew 23, 11 through 12, Jesus says this, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Do you hear that? It's the same language. God blesses those who put others first, who humble themselves, who become servant leaders within the kingdom. The way up is down. Adopting the same mindset as Jesus leads to a life marked by humble servant leadership like Jesus. Sometimes when putting others before ourselves, you don't experience that blessing right away. You don't experience that joy. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you don't feel like giving up that piece of chocolate cake. Sometimes you don't feel like going and working on homes that have been destroyed because it's hard work and you have a million other things to do. It's hard to clear time in our calendar for people sometimes. Maybe you have a friend that's called that's hurting and needs someone to talk to, and you're like, well, I have, you know, 5,000 other things to do, like we all do, right? But those things are worth it, and they're what we are called to. We're going to move into a time of communion. If any of you uh, did not get one of our communion packs on the way in, uh, Jeff is in here, and he can bring one to you. If you just raise your hand up, he can bring one to you. On the night that Jesus and the disciples celebrated communion, there was something that happened first. On that night, as they're gathered around, Jesus looks at his disciples, and he tells them, I'm going to wash your feet. Now try to imagine this. This is a couple thousand years ago. We have sandals. We don't have cars. We have animals on the road. We have people on the road. We don't have indoor plumbing. Are you tracking with me? Walking on those roads, your feet got disgusting. The washing of feet, that was a job for a lowly, lowly servant. That certainly was not the job of the Messiah. It was not the job of the teacher. It was not the job of the Son of God. And in fact, one of his disciples says, you will not wash my feet. Essentially, Jesus tells him that he will. Before they celebrated this meal, Jesus gave us his example, and he led. But he led 
is a humble giving of himself servant. After he was done washing their feet, they, they celebrated communion together. Um, I'm going to ask you to take your communion packs. And if you hold this with the, the bread at the top and you just gently lift this paper away. Communion is a time to reflect. It's a time to think about your relationship with, with Christ. It's a time to think about what Jesus has done for you. It's a time to reflect on where your heart is. And so I'm going to give you, before we, we celebrate this together, I want to give you just a moment to take some time in prayer, just you and God. Reflect on that relationship. If there are things you need to ask God to forgive you for, take the time to do that. Prepare your hearts to truly be in communion with Jesus. On that night, he broke bread. And he took it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you that because of your humility, grace can exist and we can be forgiven. We know that you didn't have to do any of this. You didn't have to become a man. You didn't have to go to the cross, and we know this because you asked God to take this from you. But you chose to lean into his will and not your own. Thank you for choosing humility for our sake. After they had broken the bread and eaten that, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant spilled out for you. The covenant that he's talking about is a covenant of grace. 
It's something that we're all invited into as we confess that Jesus is Lord. As we make him Lord of our lives, as we become more and more like him. We are invited to walk in humility alongside him. That is the way of a Christian. That is the way of the cross. Have you open up the top here? thank you. Jesus, thank you for the blood that was shed for us. May we not take that lightly. May we not become so busy that we forget. May our schedules not become so filled with with things, God, that we don't remember every day the sacrifice that you made for us. Give us the ability together to go out to put others first in the way, in the example that you first taught us. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And we offer this in your name.